Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. In this week's episode, we have Lauren. Hello. Ellen. Hello. And Justin. I'll be talking about some shocking developments in the world of bacteria and bacteria that thrive on electricity. We'll also be talking about new and exciting fabrics and nanotech that enables things to be blacker than black. What is the new black? Well, we'll find out this week thanks to the help of some nanotech. And now we launch into our Launchpad News segment. This week's City of Science is the lovely city of Sussex in southern England, southeast England, if you want to be more specific. And the reason why we're talking about the lovely place of Sussex is Surrey Nanosystems is based out of there and they have been working on some really incredible scientific nanotech um, discoveries and really turning what is just you know crazy out there science into real commercial technology so for that reason we're talking in the lovely Sussex area of England very stormy very windy very coastal as our city of science this week. So many of us want to hide ourselves away sometimes, really fade out into the background, like um, Zach Braff in Garden State, where he sort of merges into the wallpaper and hidden away. And that kind of camouflage or fading out is really hard to achieve because we need something that doesn't reflect any light and sort of disappears. But don't worry. Some researchers in Sussex have come up with a way to fade away into the darkness. So what's going on here, Helen? Uh, so basically it's called Vantablack and it's this material that's been created by um, Surrey Nanosystems. Uh, basically Vantablack stands for Vertically Aligned Nanotube Arrays. So um, they're just uh, carbon nanotubes. Wait, carbon nanotube? What, what exactly is a carbon nanotube? Well, car- carbon is one of the elements which obviously has six valent shells so it can make these lovely ring structures and we use this to basically arrange like diamonds or graphite into these intricate geometric structures that are really strong and powerful and tough. Graphite is powerful and strong in one, one plane diamond is powerful and strong with three dimensions and carbon nanotubes is where we basically make stacks of these graphite sheets on top of each other into really long straw almost that's hard like diamonds they're really cool and they're basically structures that we build on an atomic level so we've got these cool diamond structures what are we doing with them then are we like building a disappearing castle out of them um so basically uh if you pack them closely together they allow uh light to come in but they just effectively the light's trapped in there and it bounces around um and obviously there's the conservation of energy so it gets converted into heat so that's really cool so basically it's like wearing having a a something that absorbs and eats all the light around it and turns it into heat yeah basically um so it it, uh, absorbs like 99.965 percent of light so that's a lot and it doesn't it only allows out 0.035 percent so it's closest thing to a black hole on earth that that's Um, that's amazing okay so i've heard of like you know you know those like cosmic printed legging pants imagine wearing black holes on your legs that'd be great (laughs) It's actually really funny because if you wore these things on as a dress, like a, as a black dress, for example, because no light's reflected, you wouldn't pick up any creases. There would be no shape defined. You would just look like your legs and your head and arms were floating around. Oh, that is definitely my aesthetic. 
yeah, it, it's it's so dark. There's no light reflected that you get no idea of shape. Yeah. Well, they say oh, black is a slimming color, hence uh, the little black dress. But if you wore this, essentially, instead of looking 3D, you'd look 2D. I mean, if you wanted to look thin, that's about as thin as you can get. <laughs> that, and that's, that's incredible that you can basically make yourself appear flat and disappear. And if it was not, um, but the thing is that really, really black thing in, in obviously in daylight would stand out because, you know, you can't, you can't, <laughs> the absence of light and color is just as much as tell as the presence of light. So it's not a great camouflage, except at night when it would be the best camouflage ever. So basically ninja wear. Yeah. However, I suspect because it's absorbing all this heat, it would be producing a lot of infrared light, heat energy. So you, you would be able to still pick it up with night vision goggles. If we're hmm. talking about like normal cameras and stuff, what, what does it actually look like on there? Like if, say if I was like trying to sneak out of home at night and uh, my parents have set up their like security type systems. Could I, like, make a giant sheet out of this and hold it up in front of me and sneak out the front door? <laughs> ah, that's a good question. Um, because uh, they say that Vanta Black absorbs all kind of radiation, including UV radiation, infrared, um, etc., including the, the, um, the light that we can see uh, just in normal daytime. But I'm not sure. Justin? Well, it's interesting because... that. They have photos of it. They've produced enough of it that you can take a photo of it, and it looks really weird. And I guess if your parents were paying attention and they were looking for something that looks weird, they'd probably notice you walking out covered in a sheet. <laughs> but uh, if it was just dark and they were just looking, they weren't paying attention to it, looking for color or light, then yeah, that would definitely work. But it's a bit like um, the invisibility. It's not quite like the invisibility cloaks that people have made. They are much better camouflage and disguise because. What they do, instead of disappearing, they blend themselves into the background. So the other way to go is instead of, um, instead of having a fabric that absorbs all light, which is what this Vanta Black does, people have made invisibility cloaks that let light pass through it. So it actually, you can see what's on the other side. And they either do this through a, a particular type of fabric as well as projection. So that way, when you look at them, you actually see through them. You see what's on the other side, not the object themselves. So people have done that, and that's really more an invisibility cloak that allows you to sneak around at night. Yeah. I was thinking, wait, if you do sneak out at night, um, on the camera, it would probably just see like a big black square moving yep. around. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That wouldn't be very sneaky. Can't be seen, can't be identified, but pretty obvious that something is going wrong. <laughs> Fair enough. It, it does raise an interesting question, though, because it absorbs all this light and, um, and energy. Uh, what, what's it like if you made yourself a hood out of it? Would you just be you, – would you be able to see anything underneath it? And that's, that's a really interesting question. Uh, I guess you get sh- shrouded in light, but you wouldn't be able to see out of it, which would be really cool. Uh, it wouldn't be very useful. No, it'd just like be walking around in a massive cocoon. <laughs> <laughs> so this yeah. raises some really interesting – um, applications about high-powered nanotech fabrics in the world of fashion and the world of, um, you know, just common existence, the way we can use these kind of fabrics for all kinds of things. So another brilliant application of nanofabrics, nanotech, is obviously fabric that stays dry even when wet. So everyone's familiar with those made-for-TV ads where they pour, they put on a spray and that basically seals the surface of it so when they pour water or cordial on it, it just runs off it. 
using uh, nano nanofabrics as well, you can actually make fabrics that are very similar to that. They just don't let in water. So we now have stuff that we already had stuff that doesn't let in water, which is aquaphobic. And now we have um, things that don't let in light. So soon, maybe um, we'll be able to have technology that enables to blend in in all environments. Now, Lauren has some breaking news about some shocking developments in the world of biochemistry and bacterial life, and she's going to that really have put a supercharge on the area of research. So, Lauren, what exactly is going on here? So, Justin, if I'm talking to you about um, food, what what would you say is your favorite type of food? Well, I like to chow down on some pasta, what with being Italian and all, but, uh, you know, I also don't mind some stir fries, a few other different things, sometimes chocolate if I'm feeling like a snack. But, you know, they all give me a lot of energy, so that's all, all nice. What if I could tell you there was an easier way of gaining this energy? Well, what do you mean, like just pouring sugar straight into my mouth and getting supercharged, like on Red Cordial? I'm talking even more um, basic than that. Red Bull and V? I don't know where else you get energy from. <laughs> Barocca. Definitely Barocca. Well, I know we usually talk about like the body being like a machine, but yes. it turns out that um, some bacteria are actually very similar to a machine in the sense that they run on electricity. Well, hang on a second. Run on electricity, as in like my phone and my laptop and all my technological devices. Kind of like instead of eating pasta, they eat the, el- the electricity themselves. That That's amazing. How do they eat electricity? As, as far as I can tell, you know, electricity just kind of runs through you on the way to Earth and then like discharges and that's kind of all electricity does, you know. The flow of currents, sorry, the flow of electrons, which is current. I, I don't understand how you eat it unless it's a black current. I, I, I don't know. I'm making rude jokes. <laughs> Well, you mentioned before talking about, like, um, just pouring straight sugar into your mouth. Yeah. Well, you, you would have heard about um, ATP, right? You, you've heard a little, bit, a little bit about ATP? Yes. So if you've done some basic biology, you would know that ATP is our source of life. It's basically just chemical energy. And to get this ATP, what we usually do is we consume sugar, and our body breaks down that sugar, and we get rid of some cool electrons from that sugar, and it gets changed into ATP, which is a molecule that contains that energy. Right. So basically, when we need energy from various things, what we do is we consume a food source of some type, and we break down the sugars in it to get ATP. Mm-hmm. Okay. And- that makes sense. That's how we convert into our fuel that our cells need to run. And that ATP releases electrons, which get transferred over to our oxygen. Okay. And that, that's part of the energy process that goes on inside us. Right. So what these bacteria have been doing is instead of going for like the whole sugar thing and consuming nutrients, they take the electrons straight from the electricity. Wow, hang on. So um, uh, basically they're taking all the free electrons that are available in the electricity. Basically, yes. Wow, okay. So, And then they convert that into ATP, or they mm-hmm. don't even skip the ATP step. Pretty much, yes. And then they use the energy to attach those free electrons to it, and it powers a whole bunch of different processes in their bodies. Right, so our biological processes are based to run off getting the fuel from foods and sugars and so on and converting that into ATP. So that's how our cells are configured to run. But these cells are saying they just basically run off electricity instead as a different fuel source. Yes, they're pretty much cutting out the middleman of having to use sugar. <laughs> so it's, it's like instead of having um, uh, a cup of coffee to sort of get them their caffeine in a nice format, they're injecting caffeine straight into their veins basically. 
pretty much. Wow. Okay. So that, I'm imagining that's so much more efficient for bacterial life as well. Uh, I'm surprised that we're all not running on electricity, but then I guess electricity isn't really naturally occurring. Exactly, which brings me to the point of how we found out about these electricity little um, bacteria. Right. What did we do? Did we find an electricity well where, you know, we, we, we fished out some naturally occurring electricity? I don't know. Where do you find naturally occurring electricity? Well, the thing is we'd originally, like, found um, – we already knew about two types, Shewanella and Geobacter. So how did we find some of these new types? <laughs> uh, so what scientists basically did was they decided to put um, some currents into the ground and spread some electricity out there. They either had it um, at a slightly higher current so that um, there were more – you can tell me if I'm wrong here because I'm not that big on – Electricity, yeah. Electricity, yes. I think they put it in the ground so that there were more free-moving electrons. Yep. Or a slightly lower current than is what naturally occurring. Yeah, right. So, okay. As the electrical engineer here, I can explain that. Yeah, they probably they put if they would have had two electrodes and they would have had a current flow between them, which means that compared to the naturally occurring area, there would have been a flow of electrons, which is what electrical current is through the ground, which is what they would have they would have latched onto and eaten effectively. Yeah, so basically by doing that, they actually called forth all the bacteria in the area who were like, hey, look, there's a nice tasty snack. And that's how we found more different species of bacteria. Yeah, that's incredible because I, I joked about not having a real easily natural source of electricity. But if it's just the free electrons themselves that they're after, if they went to anything that was corroding or had any sort of chemical process taking place on it, which is produces free electrons, such as oxidation, um, then they could have latched onto that. Well, there's plenty of chemical processes that occur in our natural world, like rust, like bacteria growth, like corrosion, all these things, um, or even like set rocks and limestone decomposing and stuff like that, they all produce free electrons as part of their chemical reaction. So I guess these, these bacteria could have grown up eating them as well, not just human-produced electricity. Uh, what we're actually testing now, though, is if they can survive just on human-produced um, electricity. So... so so what do they do? Like, do they starve them and only give them electricity to eat? That's actually it. They're just keeping them alive with only electricity and nothing else, no sugars or other kind of nutrients, just to see if that would actually, like, if that is actually possible. So, so how many different types of life, like these crazy bacteria, are there? Is it a couple, or is it is it is it really diverse? So what, as I mentioned before, we know about two, but the PhD students who are working um, with these bacteria currently have found about eight or nine different types of species. That, that's that's incredible when you think about it. That that's there's so many different types of bacteria out there <laughs> that are just uh, working on incredible different things, and it's really unusual that they're finding them in all these different locations. Because a lot of research is being done out of Sacramento in California, um, the University in of, in Saint Paul in Minnesota as well, and there's a lot and the University of Southern California in LA as well. They've all have different people working on finding these crazy electricity eating bacteria. I wonder though, if at a power plant, you would sort of like discover all these little creatures and organisms around there, just living around it, being eating all the free electricity that they can find. I'm just imagining like Pokemon. So if you go in Pokemon, the first Pokemon game, there's the power plant where all the electrical Pokemon hang out. I'm just imagining similar things occurring with, you know, bacteria that thrive and survive only on electricity. Personally, to me, Justin, this is sounding more like a superhero origin story than um, a Pokemon story. So what, the PhD student is going to get bitten by the electrical bacteria and suddenly turn themselves into the electric ray man? I don't, I don't know. I'm sure there's some kind of um, DC or Marvel superhero out there that's purely like electrical energy. 
Wasn't there uh, someone in the newest Amazing Spider-Man movie? Yes, that is correct. Um, there's also a number of different heroes who have electrical powers, but it's, it's really interesting that you've actually got bacteria that are now thriving because humans exist. And without, not only the humans exist, but humans exist in invented electricity, which just goes to show the wonderful evolution that can occur in these really small creatures to adapt to new environments really quickly. And uh, it should, certainly is a shocking development to know that uh, maybe one day, instead of eating food, we could just plug ourselves and eat electricity like these bacteria. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, LaGrange Point. This week we found out about some exciting bacteria and the way they're pushing the envelope and getting the energy sources from electricity. We've also talked about nanotech and how it can help us create darker than black fabrics. Our ending theme was composed by Audio Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.